0: Drinking, bro. Put down the water and grab a fucking
1: drink. Uh oh. What? What? Wait. What is this? Is this is me and Evan Hafer tonight? Dude, this is just uh, it's a it's a tandem podcast. Ross Patterson, Evan Hafer. It's like a tandem shit.
0: It's like a tandem shit. I like it. I like it a lot. It's like we're facing each other, shitting, looking each other in the eyes. Uh, I like it a lot, Evan Hafer. It's like a Marine Corps toilet. Look, uh, kids, welcome to Drinkin' Bros. Uh, We got a a fan fave on the show. We got Evan Hafer. Uh, A lot of you have written in and said, Hey, uh, Ross, we loved all your one-on-ones with Matt and Rocco and Jared. Would you please do one with Evan Hafer and have him discuss his life and what it's like uh, being a veteran entrepreneur? Uh, We've listened to all your emails. We have read them. Now we're going to go deep inside the mind, the balls, and the heart of Evan
1: Hafer. I can't wait. This I can't
0: either. I can't either. But you know how this works, Evan. We got to get some sponsors first, and then we're gonna dig deep into your life. Uh, first yeah. up, we got we got We got Haven Lock. Uh, that's another mm-hmm. veteran-owned company, by the way, Evan. Um, is it really? Nice. Yeah, it it's is. Actually, you know. it is. Uh, they they got started on Kickstarter. They raised over a hundred grand for their lock. Um, uh, look a lot of people don't know it takes about three kicks to kick down a front door with a Haven Lock on your door it takes more than 50 if you want to keep your family safe if you want to keep your uh, wife child and dog safe go to HavenLock.com grab a doc grab a lock uh put one on the front and the back door because you never know what's going to happen and if somebody busts through that door go to tartarusordinance.com make sure you're 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 stacked to the hilt full of uh, home defense ammunition uh they have all your home home defense ammunition needs they also sell firearms they are a licensed firearm dealer uh evan you've got a fancy uh symbol for that don't you ffl is that what it is
1: uh yeah ffl sot like threes
0: and fours you're goddamn of right just and just in case you're into opp grab some tartarus o- o- P- ordnance in case uh, a motherfucker did and uh slept with your wife and you got to blow them away uh also also they have uh 10 off of the promo code drinking bros um and you get everything off including if you teach a tactical class all of those rounds 10% off with Drinking Bros. Uh, next up, fanfave, uh, strikeforceenergy.com. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Evan. I appreciate that.
1: You're, no problem,
0: buddy. Yeah, man. I, I like it a lot. Uh, Strikeforce Energy is uh, a lot of people say I, I, I drink it too much. They say I'm too hopped up on it. Yeah. They said they yeah. should, I should cut back on it. Yeah. Uh, I say hell to the motherfucking no. Um, I say kick the can. I say grab the, ti- the tastiest, tiniest little tin pouch of energy uh, that you could possibly ever need throughout your day. It goes in waters. It goes in liquors. It goes in beers. Uh, it goes in any fucking liquid substance you can imagine,
1: or you could just snort the whole pouch if you wanted to. Uh, just a quick little story about strike Strikeforce. Yeah. My wife, as you know, she's pregnant. So I, I believe you know that. So my wife I is do. pregnant. Well, I she do know. started up on Strike Force. A couple months before, before she got pregnant, well, I was gone. So I, I just basically accepted the fact that Strikeforce made her pregnant because the pregnancy test said awesome. That's all I said. <laughs> oh, man, that,
0: that is that is the fucking new slogan for Strikeforce. It made her pregnant. Uh, mm-hmm. and it, it, it didn't yeah, the, come up with a color. It just said awesome. I didn't even know that was an option. It just said awesome. You're goddamn right. Go to StrikeforceEnergy.com for all your energy needs. Uh, and I got a lot of them, kids. They got a subscription. You can be a, that that's the easiest. Uh, you know, you own Black Rifle Coffee. I've got a subscription to that. Uh, Strikeforce has a subscription. Uh, type in the promo code Drinking Bros. You get twenty percent off your order. They ship not only in the entire world, but they've also got a a huge seven fifty milliliter bottle with that with a hundred squirts in it, and that's what I recommend. Uh I've got I've got one in, at each fucking house. How many houses? It's do like I a have bottle of
1: Jergens, just full of strike force.
0: I know. I know. I, look, it works for that too. It'll make your boner stronger and have more energy. Uh rub some strike force on your dong and, and get after it. Next up, uh, we got CarnivoreClub.co. dot co. Uh look, it's fall. It's hunting season, it's football season. There nothing says fall like fucking boxed meats. Uh they are the finest, tastiest meats it cuts killed and delivered in in the whole goddamn world. They're already cured too. You don't even have to do shit. You can just peel the package open and rip into them. carnivoreclub.co uh type in the promo code man up or drinking bros and you get 10% off of every box. If you want to talk about a fucking awesome gift for Christmas, uh or just for another dude Carnivore Club is the best goddamn gift you'll get. Uh, I, every time it comes yeah. to the house, I rip it open. Also, fun fact, it was, it was the only thing that survived Hurricane Matthew around here. Uh, it was, a, it was a, the, the delivery of, of Carnivore Club to my door. That, that was it. no lie, by the way. Well, you're serious about your meat. We I know. am. I'm always serious about my meat. So go to CarnivoreClub.co, type in the promo code MANUP or Drinking Bros. Uh, get 10% off your order. Uh, next up, we got WarfighterTobacco.com. Big fan of those guys. They're 100% combat veteran-owned. Put down the vaporizer. Pick up a fucking cigar like a man. If you're going to celebrate something, smoke a cigar. Uh, If you're you're mourning over a loss, smoke a cigar. If you're taking a shit, smoke a cigar. Uh, Go to warfightertobacco.com. They are made with Cuban seeds, hand-rolled in the Dominican Republic. They're the tastiest little cigars on the planet. Rocco is a co-owner and... And they've also got a special Drinkin' Bros line of cigars. Uh, type in the promo code Drinkin' Bros. You get 10% off of all your cigar orders. And their apparel's dope. A big fan of their shirts, by the way. Big, big fan of their shirts.
1: Next up, we got a night she cries while
0: he rides Ooh. his
1: steed. Can I get a horse? I would noise? do the you? horse. I would do it, man. I I could like ew. Uh, no, I can't do it. Oh, uh, you can't give me a horse. No, uh, man. I I'm I'm not good at imitating animals. You know that.
0: Now, that, that is one of your weaknesses. Before. You're great at a lot of Just things. Want, Imitating is what animals is. I can't uh, do
1: a Scottish accent, and I can't do a horse.
0: Yeah, yeah. That that, that is definitely that was on your resume, I think. Yep. Um, yep. Terrible at, at horse noises, animal yep. noises. Uh, look, kids, go to Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, Walmart, you name it. At, at night, she cries while he rides a steed. Is theirs the first ever romance novel for dudes? It's the funniest book ever written. If you like blazing saddles, you'll love this book. If you like Saving Private Ryan, you'll love this book. Uh, if you like fucking top gun, you'll love this book. If you like girls on HBO, with Lena Dunham, you'll hate this fucking book. Uh, so don't buy it. If you like Lena Dunham or girls on HBO, uh, pick it up on audible.com. Uh, I do the audible as well. Last but not least, we have the president and, and, and founder of black rifle coffee on the show, Evan Hafer. You want to talk about it?
1: I uh, I I would love to talk about it. So, I I started roasting coffee in the mountains of Colorado over 10 years ago. 10 years. I uh, refined Yeah, I refined my craft uh over the course of about 10 years. And now, you know, we have ro- Black Rifle Coffee. Today, we uh we are roast to order coffee company, so that means your order comes in day 1, we roast it day 2, and we ship on day 3, depending on whether or not that's a, you know, USPS shipping day. So, yeah, We're a roast order coffee company. That's that's my that's my quick little plug on uh, Black Rifle Coffee, and now we can kind of get into the it.
0: Is yeah, because and and because we'll, I want to get to the the whole story of it. Because uh, yeah. again, that, it was no lie. I we we probably got you know close to two hundred emails asking if, oh, if wow. we
1: could do a, an interview with you one on one about your life. Well, uh, I'm just glad that those two hundred email accounts that I set up <laughs> finally worked. You know what I'm saying. I'd get an interview out here. Yeah, they
0: all they 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 all came through unscathed. I was wondering why all all of them were partydick.net. Uh, yeah. one, two, yeah, and, yeah. and three. Yeah,
1: yeah, there was a lot, a lot of those. Of a lot of a lot of CAs in there. Yeah, you know, I was like giving you the is, impression that I'm. I'm emailing, there's a lot of dudes from Canada that are super interested in me. Yeah, I was like, know? dude, who is 99? Party Dick
0: 79. Gov, like who? Oh, who is that? Um, who is that
1: guy? And why did the government give him that fucking email? Yeah, why didn't he just? Why didn't he? Wrong.
0: Why didn't he just use a private server? It would have been so much easier. <laughs> so run, much
1: easier to run the Gmail is so much more convenient, bro.
0: So much more convenient. <laughs> Oh, it is. It is. Well, welcome to the show. Let's let's dive in. Uh, where were you born? I know. I know. Uh, a few episodes ago, we talked about your
1: call sign was Idaho. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was I was born in northern Idaho in a town called Lewiston, Idaho. So there's uh, not any history on Lewiston because it's super fucking boring. But uh, Lewiston, Idaho sits on the confluence of the Clearwater and the Snake River. Uh, it's about twenty eight thousand people. I was born in that city, but I that's actually it, huh? In a, I, yeah, man. I uh, I uh, I grew up actually in a much smaller town of eight hundred, a logging town called uh, Weipe. So I spent about the first six years of my life in some logging town because my dad was a logger, and uh, and then we moved back to Lewiston, Idaho, and I spent the rest of my time there, in exception for I went to University of Idaho or. Uh, in 95. So I left there and went to UVI in Moscow. So I, I moved a whole 30 fucking miles away, man. You know, big, big 30 miles away. Wow. Did you walk it or did you? Uh... <laughs> did yeah, you man. Try... <laughs> you know, I, 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 fucking busted out of there, dude. I, I couldn't wait to get out. You know, I was 17. I went, I went to basic training at, at uh, just, just turned 18. I went to basic training. Did right you graduate high school yet? Or did you just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I graduated right after graduation. I took off and went to basic training down at Fort Bannon, Georgia. And, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was, I was doing a thing called the simultaneous membership program. So I was doing, uh, ROTC and, uh, the national guard. So I became a, an infantryman up there in Washington state national guard, and then, uh, transitioned over to full-time university student and where at what did yeah. you go to? I went to uh, University of Idaho. I had a short stint at uh, University of Washington and then finished off at University of Idaho. Okay. Did you graduate so, from there? I did. Yeah, so I uh, What was your I degree in? Back Poli sci.
0: All right. Yeah. All right. I, th- I thought you were going to say something, you know, like art,
1: art history. Oh, uh, yeah. Totally kidding. No, no. I I'm, <laughs> I'm a huge art buff. Yeah. So, it's so, so, so just just a huge nakeds. art buff. That's what I call them, naked, not nudes, just naked. <laughs> get get naked. <laughs>
0: Hey, send me a naked. All right. Send me a naked. Send me all your nakeds. Um uh so so after after you graduate, uh
1: y- you you going into the military full time after that? Yeah, so I, I took I took the long I took the longer road, man. I, I uh I was between my junior and senior year, I I basically I I kind of went out to University of Washington. They had a better ROTC program. Uh, I was working nights at UPS, like slinging packages and trying to get my degree. And my, my, you know, my dad was like, he took the harsh line, dude. He was like, um, so you want money for college? Oh, that's cool. You should probably get to fucking work. That's, that's basically what his line was. Yeah. That's a lot of uh, dad's lines. That's a lot of dad's lines right there. That's the hard line, dude. So I was, I was fucking like, just humping all fucking summer long on farms driving fucking tractors and slinging bales hay bales and just just 16 hour days you know all under the table up in idaho building houses and fucking just anything and everything that i could do to to save enough money so i didn't understand because i was just dumb as shit that you could take out loans right so my my dad, unfortunately, was in that threshold where I wasn't like qualifying for like fucking Pell Grants and all kinds of weird shit. And so I was like, well, I got to raise all this money. So I was just like, you know, making hay all summer long to include doing military service and anything and everything I could. Uh, you know, college was probably uh, some of the most difficult years of my life. Because really? I was working night- oh, fuck yeah, dude. I was, I was working nights. I was working... In the mornings, I had steadily fucking three jobs. I could barely keep a fucking C average. Like It was nasty because I was completely seep- sleep deprived. So uh, <clears throat> in ROTC, there's this thing called advanced camp. You're supposed to go between your junior and senior year. And I actually got in a fist fight uh, with another guy that I was in ROTC with. And I, I got into a small bit of uh, confrontation, I would call that with an ROTC instructor and I, uh, I basically made a comment about how he was a piece of shit and he told me, he was like, you'll never be a fucking infantry officer as long as you're in my university. And at that point, I kinda had a, a, a bifurcation in the road there, Ross, you know, a $10 word for basically there's a fucking decision to make. Yeah, there's and, a fork in the road. Yeah, a fork yeah. in the road, Evan. Uh, and, i uh i said great i'm gonna go to fucking special forces assessment and selection and i went between my junior and senior year so i'm a big fucking big time college kid you know like fuck i don't know not 20 years old and i showed up at fort bragg went to special forces assessment and selection uh made it and came back to to my rotc was like you know i'm gonna finish off uh basically cancel my my contract with the simultaneous membership program and after i leave this university i'm going to fort bragg to become a green beret and uh so i uh finished a little bit when i say i left there shy i left there shy because i knew i was going to get a uh, a language at special forces qualification course so i could come back and just finish off that and uh did you tell yeah, the guy out. did you tell the guy hey fuck you i'm on top of the world oh fuck yeah dude yeah yeah i i came back and boasted most of my buddies were on the five six year program because they're fucking idiots, and I wasn't. Like I was just humping to get the fuck out of there, like, right? As fast as I could get out of there, I wanted to get the fuck out. And so, I came back and gave the first salute, which is a tradition for ROTC cadets, uh, for a bunch of my buddies as an E six green beret, and uh, which <laughs> was a big fucking deal. Yeah, I'm on stage, did that guy you know, shit his my, pants? <laughs> Yeah, because I called this asshole I'll ne- I'll, I won't say his name because it's fucking unprofessional. But, you know, I called this, I call, <laughs> he, he's like, you'll never make it. Right. So he's like, you'll never make it. You're too big of an asshole. And I was like, last time I checked, like, like, that's not a disqual- disqualifying factor for being a Green Beret. And uh, I not only came back, you know, as a, you know, E6, Special Forces, Green Beret, uh, but I came back as, as you know, a guy that actually did, did well in special forces. And, um, and I just, you know, I, I just behaved as, as usual, you know, the, the consummate professional that I am. I just, you know, kind of walked up to him and was like, so, you know, neener, 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 what, but in a fucking super, super profanity. Like, you're a piece of shit. Right, look, right, right, look, right, right. what I'm doing now. Because he was passed over. He was getting kicked out of the army at that point. I mean, he was just a fucking turd instructor. <laughs> and i was and i was just starting my career i and i was like i would i w- i was a super like like uh, and one thing that people like and i don't know if they want to know it or whatever they want to know about me but like i was a really aggressive highly confrontational like very 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 driven individual i guess i, I you still are yeah i still you am. still are and uh <clears throat> so i when I graduated from basic training at Fort Benning, I'd won every award. So I was like the soldier of the cycle. I was fucking like a platoon guide. I'd won like every award. I'd basically cleaned house on that, on that place. I'd housed it, if you will. Right? Yeah, you did.
0: It's, and, you're talking uh, Ross Patterson language now. Yeah.
1: Housed it. And uh, so I was super, I was super fucking arrogant, man. And I was driven to only be a green beret at that point. I was like, I started doing like fucking super random deprivation exercises. Like I didn't wear fucking socks for like six years. I didn't fucking eat certain foods. I wouldn't fucking drink. Like I became like very monastic in a lot of different ways where I was just studying the art of war because that's the only thing I wanted to do. And I dedicated my entire being and every piece of my DNA to trying to become the best uh, Green Beret that I could be. And, um, that's ultimately what I, what I did is I tried to, tried to basically dedicate every ounce of energy that I could past about, uh, what 2001 is 2000, 2001 is around the time that I graduated. And, and as you know, there was a little thing that happened in 2001 and we got really fucking busy after that
0: yeah what was that uh can you do you, do you remember uh oh that's yeah. right
1: 9-11 yeah. just just a no. you know just a just a little event called you know 9-11 uh, oh that's yeah. right that's right yeah I uh you I know
0: would... speaking of which uh we, we Matt and I were in New York City and uh we were at this huge 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 dinner and uh I, I we asked him we were like hey what was it like around here after Trump won and he goes uh you remember 9-12 that's what it was like and i was like oh shit that's a great hammer wow. to drop on somebody you make wow. me feel like nine twelve inside um <laughs> yeah this 9/12. is it's the
1: day after um, a lot of us felt like that when obama was elected so i know, know welcome. exactly welcome to the party fellas yeah w- welcome to, to all your liberal tears uh yeah. so so
0: what w- w- what year did you first deploy overseas
1: uh so i came back uh, I was, uh, I came back and went to the, the Philippines on my first rotation. And, uh, when I came back, how was that, the by the way, how was that? I was rad, man. I mean, we were, we were out with, uh, their version of the Rangers for, you know, several months. So I was out and fucking who knows where, uh, for several months. And the PI is what they call it. You know, the, 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 the PI, right. And, um, yeah. they were training working with their guys, man, it was a fucking great time. That's where I met. Uh, a guy named Jeff Kirkham, which has been my business partner and one of my best friends for the last 15 years. And, um, I, I linked up with my, uh, with my team, my ODA. Uh, we, we'd spent, you know, several months in the PI, we came back from the PI and we, we got orders to go to Kuwait basically. And, and, uh, like we, we didn't have hardly any, I think we had something like 30 days from the, from the Philippines to Kuwait in order to deploy for the preparation of Iraqi freedom. And so we had come back from, uh, the PI and I, 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 you know what I'm missing one in there. I was like PI and then Korea and then from like Korea back to Kuwait and then, and then Iraq. And that was like, those years are kind of, I don't want to say a blur, but they're kind of a blur, man. like, Uh, I was a young guy. I was I was catching every fucking deployment I could get on. Uh, was hustling, man. I'm I'm a fucking hustler. At yeah, you are. Yeah, that's what the that's what I do, man. Is just work my fucking balls off, and uh, I made a reputation early as just a guy that will you'll work my work my fingers to the bone and and grind it out like with the best of them. And I got picked up with a really fucking great ODA, great company. Uh it's not like it was a recruiting process but it kind of was and uh and we we went over and prepped for the invasion of Iraq early so I was in I was in Kuwait for uh I don't know 8 8 months before the invasion of Iraq just Shit. training and working just working with the Kuwaitis ready to go to Iraq How are the summers there I I hear they're remarkably mild is that true Yeah they're they're fu- they're easy man you know I mean I, I you know it's like it's like it's like the, uh, what is that, the winter the winter birds or whatever, the snowbirds, right? It's the same thing. It's like Kuwait is like northern Idaho in the in the summertime. It's just, you know, 80 degrees. It's really, really special.
0: Yeah, now that Trump's in office, uh, they're, they're, all the Canadians are calling them the snow Mexicans. Yeah, the snow Mexicans. So, yeah, so you're looking probably at, what, 115 in the shade there in Kuwait yeah. for eight months straight. Yeah. Uh, and then the invasion of Iraq happens. And,
1: and what were you doing in that? Oh man. So, uh, this, this was like the, the introduction to the rest of my life, right? The, the rest of my adult life. So, uh, that year, those months, basically, uh, my team was tasked out to go work with, uh, with a, with a cool three letter acronym, uh, the agency. And uh, you want to, you want to tell us what that
0: is or, or should I spell it out mm-hmm. for the
1: people? No, no. So my, my team, we were tasked out to to go to work with, uh, with the CIA at that point. And uh, I spent the next several months with these fucking dudes that were like incredible, man. I, they were like the most fucking senior, the most amazing, most talented fucking warriors on the planet. And at that time, there just there wasn't a lot of guys in SF that had a lot of combat experience. And it, there was Afghanistan prior to the invasion of Iraq, but not everybody got to, to go to that war. Um, so there were a lot of guys that, that didn't, you know, the invasion of Iraq was their first look at war and all these guys that were in the agency were like super fucking senior. I mean, they were like really senior, had tons of experience and it was a, it was this, this steep learning curve and I was completely enamored by the fact that. You know, these guys were wearing blue jeans in combat. I was like, this is fucking sick. These guys wow. are badass. You know, <laughs> putting a putting a couple of mags in their back pocket and just going, "Hey, hey you. Hey, hey junior. Let's fucking roll out and do some shit." <laughs> That's pretty fucking intense. Dude, it was rad, man. It was it was like, you know, the invasion of Iraq, you know, is fairly intense for a lot of different people to include, you know, my team, we, we didn't know. I mean, you know, we, sure. we had a, you know, fuck, nobody knew, dude. We were, we were briefed on like 20 different versions of this invasion plan. Like nobody fucking knew what we were going to do, at least at my level. And, you know, as I, I remember sitting in the team room one day and, and, uh, we got this brief on how we were going to invade Iraq and they were going to jump the entire fucking 75th Ranger Regiment into Baghdad and blah, blah, blah. And we were just like, that's fucking crazy, I don't know how the hell he can do that, you know, 120 millimeter mortars can hit on that airfield, you know, from anywhere in the city, and then we're like, that's fucking, you know, God, I can't believe that, it's fucking crazy, and all of us are like, kind of like, what the fuck, and then the next sentence out of our out of our mouths, we're like, how do we get on those planes? Jesus, those planes? So so if you don't, if you guys don't know what's going on, how the fuck
0: did anyone else know what was going on? Like the president I, and all that shit. Like, dude, where was that coming knew. from? Yeah. Where, no, where were the orders nobody, coming
1: from? Nobody fucking knew, man. Like, like, you know, now being part of like startups later in life and, I, sure. and, seeing, some, and seeing some of these fucking dudes and, and that were making government policy, I have no fucking clue about what, what real war is, like what it's like to invade a country. Hell, we hadn't invaded a country to take it over for uh, fuck since you know 1967 so hardly any of that brain trust was even left and i can't really say that it was a brain trust yeah and uh y- the just the fact that it was just such a fucking chaotic event and everybody every day was like what the fuck are we doing like how how what are we doing it was like we're going north and um you know everybody was like let's just it was like the cannonball run was shooting to try to get to the north and, uh, into, into Baghdad. And so for us, it was like, uh, it was very exciting. None of us knew what, what we were, what we were really doing other than like, here, there were plots on a map that we needed to move to. And we're supposed to, you know, move forward and secure some territory and then continue to move forward, secure some territory. Um, you know, we, we just had a ton of fucking questions. And the only thing that we could really kind of get to the brass tacks was we we have to make order out of chaos, and we can only affect what you know a twelve man ODA can really affect, and eventually you just you 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 get in harmony with chaos, and it's like a fucking massive river that you just go for a ride, and you can fucking sink or you can swim and start navigating that motherfucker and. That's the only thing that we could really do is just start navigating it.
0: Were you Nobody there when, when the Saddam statue went down? Was that you who pushed it over? Were you the final, you the <laughs> yeah. final push?
1: No, man. I, I, you know, I was not there. Uh, I, I, I stopped short in a town called Anajaf, little little city called Anajaf. Oh, yeah, big um, big holiday destination. Yeah, big holiday destination, and and a lot of people that have, have deployed to Iraq will know exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, we we actually facilitated some of the first linkups with like just the the fucking nastiest people in Iraq because nobody knew what the fuck was going on. Nobody knew who the players were, you know. Some people did, some people didn't. But honestly, it was just you were awash with like blithful spe- speculation, you know, like just fucking ridiculous shit. And I remember my team sergeant, great fucking dude, and uh. My team later, who was later killed a couple couple years later, uh in Iraq, but um, you know, we were sitting around going, We can do we 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 didn't really have a, a left or right limit. We didn't have rules of engagement, so to speak. It was we were masters of our own destiny. And we were looking at this and we were like, Man, little resistance to the to a greater degree, um, you know, little pockets of you know ticks here and there. Nothing really was, was going on. We just had this sense, and I remember all of us sitting there going, "This is a fucking pregnant pause, dude." They, this, this is not this. This isn't right. Like something's off. And um, there was a riot in Najaf with a uh, with a Malah that we were we were helping kind of move from England into Iraq, and which which ultimately the death the, the death order came from a guy named Maktad Al sadr which a lot of people will know is like one of the most dangerous fucking clerics in Iraq. Yeah. I uh, loved his earlier day. work though. Um, yeah, yeah. He had some, he had some <laughs> fucking amazing work earlier. <laughs> he, his, and, uh, uh, yeah. His
0: earlier stuff was, uh, great. Something to behold. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: he, he, he actually, he, uh, he, he, he was the one that orchestrated this, this assassination. I was there in the riot with my team and, um, and anyway, so we, we did see this massive riot, and ultimately there was a there was a uh, warrant issued from Muqtada al for that specific event later. But uh, leading up to that, you know, all of us on the team, I mean, we're just knuckle-dragging enlisted men. We're like, this dude needs to, he needs to die. He needs to go off the planet. And he had a small force, low contingents, like just fucking an easy target. We could have wiped that dude off the map. He became He became such a prominent figure later in the Iraq war that like every day I was kicking myself in the ass like, God, I wish we would have just pushed the envelope and and put a bullet in that dude early on. But, uh, you know, the infinite wisdom of the uh, leadership, they decided not in the army. This was like State Department politics. poor shit there's like decided nah he's gonna live he's gonna play ball and all of us were like look are you you guys are stupid ice this motherfucker yeah yeah you guys are just dumb as fuck and uh yeah uh, you know later in life you're right and it's 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 like you know you don't want to be right because he caused so much fucking chaos and and just violence that uh you uh you just you know you just fucking grit your teeth and like you know what I learned a lot from the invasion of Iraq, and I can boil it down to just because somebody sits in a seat of authority doesn't mean they know everything, and it doesn't mean that you should listen to everything they fucking say, because they are wrong, and they are wrong a lot. So what I learned was question fucking everything, like question it fucking 3,000 different ways. And uh, that kind of served me well, and it also served me wrong later in my career. Yeah, so what, what, when did you finally leave and get out? What year was that? Well, you know, I actually I came back from uh, the invasion of Iraq and at that point I had a job offer to go to work for, for the agency as a contractor. And um and I I punched out and in, in a sense I stayed in the National Guard and I went out and, and uh, be, became a contractor with the agency early on in the war. What where um, at where, where were you at? What country? I was everywhere, dude. I, I was in Iraq. Uh, I, I spent about five years on the ground in Iraq. Uh, Jesus my, Christ. That That's my... a long goddamn time, Evan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know yeah. what? By, by the way, I'm
0: going gonna, I'm gonna to embarrass you here for a second. Uh, yeah, please. Do yeah. you know, to, to, a, to a man, every one of our close friends uh, has said, including Matt, everybody, has said, if you really want to know who the biggest badass is, it's fucking Evan Hafer. And I am like, like what Evan Evan's the guy who seem too nice of a guy and they were like no Evan's the type of motherfucker who will wait underneath your bed for 26 hours for you to get home and then kill you in the worst way possible I'm not gonna press you on that because uh, I know you got some nasty stories but uh, in-, in-, in case you're wondering if all your friends know they fucking right. know Evan they fucking know <laughs>
1: uh it's it's much appreciated i don't know if it's well deserved it is
0: every literally every single person has always been like hey man i remember that we we were in sundance and like this sounds so like after this you know the stuff you just talked about getting into like a sundance film festival story there was a guy there who was in the corner and he was just like uh he pulls me aside and he goes uh what's this movie about this range of it looks like military guys i was like yeah yeah it's all you know uh, military veterans or whatever and uh, he goes who's that guy over there and he points to you and I was like oh that guy that, that's Evan hey, he was, like, he, was he in the military he goes yeah yeah and he goes that motherfucker could kill everybody in this room I can tell
1: <laughs> and I was like what and he goes yeah
0: he's, he's way too fucking calm for this shit none of this is phasing him he doesn't even care about the models from Maxim and I was like, well, yeah, that's that's actually true. Uh, and then, you know, over the course of getting to know you better over the, the last two years, that's literally everybody has said that about you. Uh, so that's funny. And, and again, I know I know you guys don't like to talk about how big a badasses you are. So I'm not going to press you on that or your fucking nasty story and all that shit. But uh, uh, you spent five years in Iraq. Um, yeah, when yeah. did you finally pull the rip cord and say, all right, I'm going back to America?
1: Uh, well, I didn't, man. I I uh, so I was sitting in a, in a in a in a southern Iraqi city, and there was a, something called the sofa. So the Status of Forces Agreement was signed, basically, which changed everything in Iraq. And at that point, you know, America basically decided once the Status of Forces Agreement was signed, we're pulling out. Who was that? Obama? And, uh, no, that was under Bush. Yeah, okay, that was, that was a Bush. That was a Bush thing, and. I was, uh, I'm trying to think exactly what year I think Obama had just kind of rotated in, but that was something that was agreed upon earlier on. Um, Oh seven, and, somewhere in yeah, there. Yeah. It was like Oh seven, Oh eight, but it was Oh nine when I officially left. And, and that was when the sofa was signed. Gotcha. And, um, so, but I was basically looking for a home and I was, uh, I went to Afghanistan after that and I spent uh, about another two years on the ground in Afghanistan um back and forth and i i eventually i eventually didn't necessarily call it quits i just i i had kind of spent a lot of time in afghanistan i i had a i had a totally different job which i won 't go into and and um i i i was i was fucking burnt man i was i was like fried like fucking kentucky fried chicken dude i had uh you know combined deployments i mean i think i was rotating in in like my forty something deployment holy shit um, and uh just i i had said you know i need i need to find a a way out so to speak i was actually looking at saying hey you know what i'm gonna fucking punch out and maybe go to law school and you know fucking run a ri-. i have another company up in northern idaho to, uh, northern idaho that does like river rafting and shit like that and i was like right you know man i'm gonna just punch out maybe like go back and you know, read fucking books and write poetry for a couple of years. I don't fucking know, but I just need to get the fuck out of here because I haven't had a solid shit in like, you know, a year and I'm burnt out. I'm completely fried. I've had, you know, nine months a year of just, you know, in, in war for the last decade. And, uh, I just decided that I was going to come home and take a, a training gig. And I took a training gig, uh, back here in the States. And uh, like I said, i won't go, won't necessarily go go into that, but i was I developed uh, a fairly advanced technically and, and tactically advanced uh um, training training curriculum and doing like uh, pistol carbine and a bunch of other CqB, which yeah Matt Matt, Matt Mess says you're the best shot out of the group as well by far. <laughs> uh maybe at one time, you know I mean I, I do a lot of desk shit these days, but i I, I did i mean I've, I've wielded a carbine professionally like. You know, that, that, uh, that, that fucking dirty black rifle and I, like we, we became best friends and, you know, all, all through those years, I'd actually worked for another company uh, when I was home because I had so much downtime. I I don't know how to stop. Like that's, that's one of my biggest issues is that I would come home and, you know, a lot of people would like say, Hey, do you want to go relax or something? And I would like, I would go teach uh, the direct action resource center uh, I would go teach uh, breaching and CQB to like uh, Marines and Air Force and a bunch of other guys that were deploying, so I would rotate back home and go straight into instructing more, like just teaching r- it, 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 teaching at the highest level i guess in the tactical industry and so I was just learning cqB and and de- dedicating my life to the, basically this art of close quarters battle and it is it's a fucking very very unique art when you become so proficient at a skill eventually you become an artisan at your craft and that's like fluidity and motion and a bunch of other bullshit that i could go into but um uh, i basically tried to move to what i call an artisan level in this craft i co-authored a book with my with my best friend jeff kirkham uh the U.S. Army, uh, what Combat Field Leaders Guide?
0: What's the name and, of the book? Uh,
1: uh, Combat Field Leaders Guide. I think it's a U.S. Army Combat Field Leaders Guide. It's in like PXs for military guys. Is it on and, Amazon? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on Amazon. All right, um, all right. Yeah. Uh, he and I sat down and we fucking jammed that thing out in uh, I don't know a year or something like that. I wrote the CQB portion of that, the close border, the close quarters battle piece, and um, and uh, I. I eventually got to the point, uh, with, with the United States government and, uh, Evan, basically, uh, where I was, I was, I was fried, man. I mean, I was, they, they got, they got the last click out of junior, so to speak. And I was looking for an out. And, uh, my wife at the time, and I'd been married before, I was married and divorced, uh, uh, I made the choice to choose combat over, over, uh, marriage. <laughs> choose, yeah. Yeah. Choose, yeah. Choose I was going to say, marriage. you don't go
0: through 40 something deployments and, uh, still, still keep a family. I, I can imagine. No. Right?
1: No. And, you know, I mean, I had had, uh, you know, a, 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 you know, a baker's dozen of my, my close friends were, were killed in that war. And, and, uh, and i just wanted to continue to go back and honestly i'm not, i'm not like not to take a negative spin i just i never really thought that i was i was going to leave iraq i never really i was kind of just committed to the act of like moving through this um this this war called iraq i never really felt like oh fuck w- well now that i'm leaving i didn't think i was going to leave and right, right. Um, so you know you're kind of a man without a job at that point uh you know fast forward to you know, 2013, I needed an out, Uh, my buddy and I started a company called Twistrate, which was a a crowdfunding company for defense-related products, because Kickstarter, Indiegogo, they don't do crowdfunding for defense-related products, like firearms industry-specific related products, and, you know, the guys in the DOD, the military guys, the veterans that are out there, like, they're some of the best innovators in the world, and, their inventions just weren't getting out. I was working on this nanotechnology antenna at the time that was like flexible. You could spray it on with a fucking can and hook an EKG lead up to it. I was I was just looking for a way out. Uh, my, my wife got pregnant and at that point I was like, you know what? I'm I'm staring down I'm I'm staring down into the future going, you know what, I'm 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 approaching forty. Um my wife's pregnant do I want to continue to deploy? And, and there's a lot of guys and I have a ton of respect for them. They continue to deploy. Those guys are fucking burnout. I'm telling you that they're burnout. They're, they're really just, they've been carrying a fucking heavy load for a long time. And I didn't want to be that guy to take that home, you know, and take it home and subject my family to uh, the, the, the pressure of constantly being gone. And not only that, but, you know, whether or not you're going to, come home and and if you're going to come home and we're well, going to come home in a box. Sure. And so for me, I made the very conscious decision, uh, what my, my business partner and I, we talk about, like, you know, we were burning the boats. So we, we sailed off, you know, into the sunset and we burnt the fucking boats on the shore of business and we went to work and twist rate was my first business, uh, with him. And, every day with twist rate was like a new day that we were learning something. And I had some, I had another business, another couple of business partners in that. And they just, they just weren't, they didn't see eye to eye. And eventually I left twist rate. And when I left twist rate, I started black rifle coffee. I had been, I had been ro- I had been roasting coffee for 10 years. And, and it was, a was just rifle a hobby coffee. at that point. Right. Yeah man it was it was a hobby it was a hobby it was a love like i love coffee i love fucking great coffee i tasted coffee all around the world uh i had started roasting coffee so i could take it on my deployments back in the day and what i wanted uh when i transitioned out i wanted to be able to like find something that i was interested in that had a little bit more depth i didn't want to just sling carbines for a living like i could have transitioned over to like instructing or teaching or running and i didn't want to say just uh, I just felt like you know these guys are working on the range they're working long hours they're 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 beating them they're beating themselves up and there's a life to that where you get to you know 50 years old and you're still throwing around fucking black rifles for a paycheck and I didn't want to be in that position and so what I what I made the conscious effort was I'm going to go into coffee at that point I was like I just want to start a coffee shop and a coffee roaster where guys can come in and order a fucking great cup of coffee and buy a fucking handgun like that was my original idea i was like i want to i want a place for conservatives to come in and talk about the shit that they're into like libertarian politics uh talk about rifles talk about pistols talk about anything conservative and i wasn't seeing that i could go to all these places and i mean i traveled all around the west coast like going to every each and every coffee shop i could find and it was just hipster place after hipster place after hipster place. And the culture of coffee is just filled with like curly Q mustaches and fucking tight jeans and single speed bicycles. And it's like, you guys are fucking weirdos, man. And <laughs> it, it it infuriated me because I'm like, you guys are restricting a high quality, a cool, cool fucking coffee because coffee has a spit, this taste spectrum that goes like, like this huge spectrum and it's fucking a super cool uh experience as far as like, you know, where you import it from and where you get your green and how you roast it changes the taste so much. And people were just geeking out and I was geeking out on coffee. I just wanted to start a coffee shop, roast some coffee, and uh deliver it to my subculture, like the guys like me. And uh I I, I was friends with the Art15 guys and I'd done their Freedom Roast originally. I'd roasted that uh, here in Salt Lake. Uh, after that, I was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to move forward with Black Rifle Coffee, man. Like, like, What do you guys think? And they're like, sure, that sounds like a cool idea. I don't fucking, coffee? Great. Dude, that sounds great. We'll support you. However you want to do it, fucking rock on. And uh, I had flown down to El Paso when I had twist rate, and I met Jared and Matt and everybody, and I was like, these guys are just so fucking cool, and they're- this is my subculture. And I had been kind of removed from that subculture in the sense of like I had spent all this time in um, isolated, kind of in in a clandestine capacity. So I was like really removed from my veteran community, and it was almost like I was around veterans all day, but I didn't understand like the big, broad scope veteran issues of everybody that had served in the war, and being reimmersed into the veteran community was fucking incredible man i was like dude these guys know everybody in the veteran community i've been isolated to such a small group of people for so long that it was fucking amazing and they were so talented like everybody down there man you've been down there to jared's house oh yeah 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 i got fucking blackout drunk like for three days i i passed out on his floor and these guys are like playing guitar and bongos and fucking like inventing songs out of nowhere and Yeah like I mean they, they didn't content. even have furniture like,
0: In the living room it was all just Band equipment there was no couch No nothing and I was like Jesus man It was uh, You would have thought they were in LA in like the Fucking early 90s with red hot chili Peppers or something you were just like what the fuck uh, Yeah it's
1: crazy Yeah it was, it was so fucking Crazy and I was like and everybody down There was a, was a vet Everybody down there was a vet and everybody in my group, they were, like, super talented with tactics and carbines, but we didn't have any art. There was no art. Like, it was fucking zero. It was super utilitarian. And being immersed back into, like, this this artist escape, so to speak, in the veteran community. And Jared Taylor is just, like, he's out of fucking control. Like, he's so off the spectrum with you know his ADHD but he's fucking hyper talented mildly retarded
0: but kind of autistic
1: yeah you yeah fucking yeah man i mean and and so it was such an incredible experience and you know i fell in love with 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 these guys like they we we became instant friends and i had so much respect for each and every one of them what they were trying to accomplish like down to the core of their souls they're fucking good people and I didn't think you could find that in business, to be honest with you. I didn't think you could find it in business. It was like, man, there's good businessmen, but everybody's concerned with business. The bottom dollar. These guys weren't. They were concerned about each other. They were concerned about their brothers, the, you know, the guys they served with. They were, they were fucking just incredible guys. And that was, that, that was uh, quite literally one of the most uh, incredible experiences, was just meeting those guys and going, these are the dudes I, I, I want to fucking be with these are the guys right here, and so starting Black Rifle Coffee, it was like, uh, I just wanted to do something with my buddies, and uh, I started roasting coffee, and, and, you know, we didn't really, uh, it was just, I had a coffee company, you know, I had a coffee company, and they had Art 15, and uh, eventually, you know, I, I just continued to push Black Rifle Coffee and push Black Rifle Coffee to the point where, you know, we've, we've been able to uh, basically re, you know recruit these guys over you know with me and Black Rifle Coffee because i just wanted them closer to Black Rifle Coffee i think they want to be closer to me and you know got them, got them to the point where they could move up to salt lake and we could just continue to make more and more content we could push the ball forward and you know i always tell people man this is socioeconomic's biz- this is socioeconomic business which is we're trying to make social change through economics and people are like what i thought you were just fucking business guys like you know printing t-shirts and roasting coffee i'm like not really like yeah like, yeah yes, there's actually a lot more really. to it there there's a ton to it and it, it really is about family i mean it, for me it's about family like it's it's my family it's jared it's matt it's Rocco. it's fucking everybody these guys are my family and you know, we have, we have to take care of each other and we have to take care of the community. And so now my, my whole trajectory in this is like, you know, let's, let's drive socioeconomic change through a high quality product and deliver fucking incredible product, whether that's a t-shirt or, you know, a, a, a fucking finely roasted premium roast order coffee, whatever that is. And when I say that, I don't want to deteriorate from the product I'm saying, but it's really about the quality of the product and the quality of the people. And that's what this, this entire objective is. If I, if I were to sew it up, it's, it's the quality of the product and the people. You know, a corporation doesn't have a soul. Like, it doesn't. Uh, a company that's run by, by real people, it does because it's run by real people. And we do some incredible shit like quite literally every day.
0: Yeah, I mean... I mean, now you're in, what, a 40,000-square-foot office? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you And know, you guys own it. You're not renting it. You own it. Um, we own it, yeah. By all yeah, appearances, it is, it is top of the world. We have made it. Was there, was there ever a really, really bad struggle, and you're like a really
1: hard point of Black Rifle? Oh, fuck, dude. The first year, I didn't take... I didn't take a salary for a year and over a year, over a year, meaning I, I couldn't. So what, what I always look back to is like the hardest points in your life are never going to be for me. Like they're never going to be as hard as, you know, doing something in, in, in Mosul, you know, Mosul, Iraq, when the chips are fucking down and you got it. It's not bottom of the ninth, bro. It's bottom of the ninth when somebody's got three fifty seven to your fucking head and you better hit a home run. (laughs) And, Like, do that on a daily fucking basis and then come back to me, baseball players, right? So uh, for me, I've always been able to judge things like in the worst case scenario, which is, yeah, I, uh, I've got to fucking, you know, sell some shit and to make some stuff happen. I've got to, you know, become a hermit and learn how to properly structure a business, learn how to run a marketing objective, learn what fucking operations and logistics and you, you have to be able to, uh, transcend your environment and your past in order to make change that, that will drive you into your ultimate outcome. And, you know, those are, that's just a lot of words that, you know, you have to be able to achieve exactly what you want and be willing to sacrifice everything for it. And- But a lot of people you know, don't do that. And that's the problem. And, like, the reason I asked this
0: specific question, and I, I've asked it of every entrepreneur that's come on the show, is, you know, you see a successful company either online or on TV or whatever it is, and you automatically think, oh man, they're fucking rich. They made it. Their lives have been amazing. Every story is the same, where there is trials and tribulations. Shit is fucking hard, Um, and you're going to go through some awful shit trying to own your own company, and it'll
1: continue on for for the end of time until you sell that company, right? Yeah. I I slept on the floor of my office. I didn't see my family. I felt like I was deployed. I would... I had a Thermarest mattress in my office. Uh, I would I would work until you know three or four a.m. I would go down for like two or three hours. I would come back up. I was doing you know my wife helped me. My you know I didn't have employees. It was like me, my wife, and then eventually I got to hire one other guy. But I was I was doing customer service. I was roasting coffee. I was grinding coffee. I was fucking packing boxes. I was ordering shirts. Like everything in Black Rifle was done for for the first year of its existence was done almost a hundred percent by me. And it was literally fucking 20 hours a day. And I had to put myself to sleep because if I wasn't, uh, I would turn into a raving fucking lunatic within a couple of days. It almost cost me my marriage. Uh, it, it, It cost me, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars when I say that. Which is, you know, I've sold, I had to sell everything in order to go into this. and yeah. But it, it's no different than committing yourself to uh, going to special forces assessment and selection. You're, you have to commit wholly to whatever the project is, it, it doesn't matter. And you can't accept losing. You can't because people will create obstacles and they'll become their own worst enemy. I don't create obstacles, I eliminate. From my perspective, my job is only to eliminate obstacles on a daily basis. And not only to do that, but to fucking crush them. And because if failure means, what failure means is it's not just Evan, it's, it's my family, and it's, and it's my buddies. Because yeah, and it's
0: your reputation, it's your brand, it's your company, uh, yeah. all of it. Uh, yeah. and, and if you fail, um, yeah, that, all of that ties into one another and it's, you know, a never ending string of disappointments. And if you, if you don't almost, you know, essentially kill yourself on the job, uh, yeah. chances are it's, it's not going to get fucking done. Um, and you're not right. going to be successful. Um, so I, look, I, I appreciate you sharing that perspective, uh, with me personally. Um, and I, and I think again, that is extremely important for the people at home because I mean, shit, I look, I have my own production company. Um, You know, there's lawsuits that pop up all the time. Fuck, man, the first you know three or four years were hard as fuck. I got shingles after one movie. Yeah, Uh, I'm a I'm a young man. I'm a young dude. I (laughs) got shingles, and the I I, it took me four. I I get diagnosed by four different doctors who couldn't figure out what it was. They had they they were like, were were you shooting a movie in the woods? And I said, yes. Uh, It's got to be a spider bite. It's got to be some rare spider. I got tested you know, 80 times for, you know, some rare fucking spider, Lyme disease, uh, you name it. Nobody could figure it out. I finally had to go to a, a, a neurosurgeon or something, and uh, they, they finally diagnosed with shingles. The guy actually asked if he could take pictures with me of the shingles because he'd never seen somebody that young with shingles because it's, it's brought on by stress or whatever. And I, I he was like, are you under a lot of stress? And I was like, do you own your own company? He was like, no, I don't. And I was like, right. oh, cool, because it, it's, it's, it's fucking hard and it sucks. Uh, and, and yeah, I get shingles. Uh, and that wasn't the first time because once you have it, it, it comes back yeah, again comes uh, if back. you get under extreme points of stress. Uh, and that's that's what being a business no- owner and an entrepreneur is. Uh, you, you, you get to work 20 hours, sleep on the floor, and you can possibly get shingles. Devin. I mean, you can possibly yeah. get shingles. But here we are. Uh, you've got easily the best coffee I've had in my life. And that's not because I'm your friend. Um, I, uh, I've, I've had coffee everywhere. You, you have the best coffee company. There is what you're doing for the veteran community is amazing. Um, and, uh, it is possible out there kids. If you work hard enough, um, you, you can make a difference, work with your friends and have a profitable, successful company. Um, and on that note, Evan, this is the point of the show. where We get to the drinking bro of the week. Yeah. Uh, the Drinking Bro of the Week is, um, uh, was submitted by Mike J. He wants to nominate uh, his wife, Christy J., for the Broette of the Week. And here's why uh, she was a driver in a head on collision when she was 16, where two people, uh, her, her best friends, passed away. She sustained serious injuries from the waist down, amongst other areas, lost blood to the point of uh, nearly di- dying. She survived and she was told that she wasn't gonna walk or have kids ever. Fast forward 17 years, dozens of surgeries later, she's walking perfect, even exercising. We have two kids, Uh, we are successful business owners, homeowners, she is the best wife and mother a man could ask for. I nominate her for Drinking Bro Ed of the Week because after all she's been through, uh, she still manages to be a badass and inspire and help out others. She's a listener in the show, and she loves you guys as much as I do. Uh, Mike J, that was a fucking awesome story, man. We I, I appreciate yeah, it. And to cheers to Christy J uh, f- for the bro out of the week. Uh, congratulations to the both of you. And uh, Mike, that was a great story about your wife. Uh, we don't get too many of those, and uh, we appreciate you uh, writing in and listening. And uh, to Mr. Evan Hafer, President and CEO of Black Rifle Coffee Company uh if you don't know you can go online and get his coffee at uh at black dot com. um it's it is it is the the best tasting coffee there is uh you're helping out great dudes uh it's all of our friends and uh it's been a not only a pleasure getting to know you over, over the last few years uh but it's been a pleasure having you on the show tonight so thanks for doing it evan
1: i I, w- I will i will say one last thing which is ross you are Quite possibly one of the hardest working men I've ever been around, and seeing you on the on the on the set of Range Fifteen was inspirational. Like it was fucking incredible. Uh, uh, th- thank you, you very much. Respect other hardworking people, and you are fuck, dude. You know how to grind. You
0: do. You do. You know. And, and it's funny, like huge, huge in our, props. And our I, I appreciate that. In our in our private lives, it's funny we always gravitate toward one another and pick apart all of these business situations that we're in. Uh, and just completely level these people because it's just, there's so many people that want to say they, they, you know, are doing something or hustling or whatever. And it's like, you're not hustling until yeah. like you're on that 20th <laughs> hour sleeping on the floor. Like you will never get it. And you can always spot the people who don't work hard enough in this life. Yep. You really can. Uh, <laughs> you really can. You can smell them like shit. <laughs> you, you can smell them like a, like a Jared Taylor, uh, quick dump
1: out in the middle of the show <laughs> a quick dump yeah. out he's, he's, like, uh, he's on all fours out. right now in front of me uh,
0: uh, I, I can smell him on the show I can smell him on the show uh, with that uh, go to Black Rifle Coffee get some coffee go to drinkingbrospodcast.com grab all your sweet t-shirts we also have a, a, a French press that is one of Jared's specialties that you can make that coffee in uh, For Mr. Evan Hafer Ross Patterson and jt is hiding somewhere underneath the table they're doing the audio Uh, We love you. We appreciate you listening. Good night, everyone.